called Lessons for Living from the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to be in chapter 9 today, Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 27. Luke 9, 23 to 27, and we're going to call the lesson title today, True Living. True Living. So join us there in your Bible. We'll get to the text here in a little bit. Did you ever make a bad investment? Anyone ever make a bad investment? You don't have to own up to what that investment was, but consider if you've ever made a bad investment. Well, I'm going to give you my top 10 bad investments, okay? And some of these are dated, so maybe you guys won't know exactly what these are. But I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the bad investment. And then if you're willing, I'm going to ask for feedback on why it's a bad investment. So if you're willing to answer and feedback, give me these. I'll give, you the fee I'll give you the investment, and you'll tell me why it's a bad investment. Okay, we're going to start off with a really old one. Number 10 bad investment is standing in line for tickets to a Millie Vanilli concert. Anybody ever heard of Millie Vanilli, the band? Anyone know why that's a bad investment? Anyone know? Why? They, weren't, they were frauds. Millie Vanilli never actually sang one song recorded. The entire thing was a fraud. They were lip-syncing to other people's recorded. So they were up there just dancing and lip-syncing. So that would be a bad investment probably. That's going back probably 20-some years ago, maybe 30 even. So that's an old one. Here's number nine. I'm impressed that you knew that, though. That's impressive. Here's number nine bad investment is taking investing advice from Charles Ponzi. Anyone know who that is and why that's a bad, bad investment? He's, he's the originator of the Ponzi scheme. Do you know what a Ponzi scheme is? Take your money to give it to somebody else. Yeah. So it's, you have to keep it going. Basically a pyramid yeah, scheme. Yeah, but it's a, it's a whole fraud. And the whole, yeah, basically this guy came up with this scheme, this get-rich-quick scheme, and was basically helping a lot of people lose a lot of money really quick. That's quite ironic. They were getting poor quick. So the Ponzi scheme, don't take advice from Charles Ponzi. Here's number eight bad investment, is scheduling a cruise or planning any vacation in the year 2020. Anyone try that? Anyone go on a cruise during 2020? That'd be a bad idea, bad investment. Number seven, I don't want to offend anybody if you guys have one of these, but working hard at building your DVD collection. Anyone have an extensive DVD collection? Yeah, an extensive DVD collection. Now, yesterday we kind of piggybacked onto someone else's garage sale. And so we were looking around our house and trying to find things to get rid of. And we came across this box of DVDs and uh, we weren't, there weren't tons of them, but there were probably 15, 20 or so. Had a little bit of dust on them. And I asked my wife, why are we holding on to these? And we came to the conclusion we didn't know. Because we actually have a DVD player, but it's not even hooked up. And the reason is because everything is now streamed, right? Like we're doing our live stream today. No one really uses DVDs, so that would be a bad investment. Anyone ever still have their Blockbuster card, by the way? <laughs> Blockbuster card? How about this one? Number six bad investment is exclusively using a BlackBerry. Oh, wow. Yes. For the first timers, they're, they're still shocked that I'm still using a BlackBerry. My people know by now I'm a BlackBerry fan, but that's a bad investment. Why is that a bad investment? Anyone know why BlackBerry is not a very good investment? Technology changed. Yeah, they're not really around anymore. Uh, that's a bad one. How about number five? I wonder. I want to get some feedback on this one. Buying a waterbed. Anyone ever buy a waterbed? <laughs> Remember, Uncle Al had a waterbed. Uncle Al had a waterbed. That thing was both cool and weird. And I think it sprung a leak. I think that's what waterbeds do. They spring leaks. So, if you guys have a waterbed, that's probably not a fantastic investment. Here's number four. 
bad investment. This one's very specific. Happened to a friend of mine. Getting hired and then promoted in 2009 at a store called Circuit City. Actually, that happened to me. I got hired and promoted in 2009 at Circuit City. Why is that a bad investment? The next month, the next month after I got promoted, they closed their doors and I was out on the streets. So I got Millie Vanillied there. Uh, here's number three bad investment is building a Y2K bunker in your backyard. Anyone want to confess to that Y2K bunker? Shane, are you trying to hide? I'm just teasing. Y2K bunker, why is that a bad investment? Y2K never happened. Year two. With his waterbed in the bunker? So Y2K came, and they, I think they, they pictured like every computer and every light source shutting down and planes falling out of the sky, right? Once the year 2000 came, everything would just be chaotic. And so these. No utilities. No utilities. We actually knew a few people, right, who built Y2K bunkers in their backyard. Stockpile food and water, and then Y2K came and nothing happened, and then they'd just have a glorified Ford in their backyard. So here's number two. <clears throat> Maybe you have done this as well. Bad investment is answering a phone call about your car's extended warranty. Anyone ever? <laughs> if someone calls you about your car's extended warranty, hang up. What's that? They're lying. I, I love when they call you because dad will say, you're a liar, and then hang up. I think he says, you're a liar. God bless. Hang on, then you hang on. Jesus still loves you. Yeah. No, probably not. Here's number one bad investment. Being a walker and owning an eight-passenger vehicle. Seven kids, two parents. We do not fit in an eight-passenger vehicle. That's a bad investment. We have that eight-passenger vehicle, by the way. Uh, anyways, top 10 bad investments. Maybe you've had a bad investment. We're going to transition to our lesson now. I'm going to give you an extra one. and This one is serious, and then we're going to talk about this today, is living for this life and not the next. If you have your Bibles, join me in Luke chapter 9 and listen to the words of Jesus, our Lord. Verse 23 of Luke 9, he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death, until they see the kingdom of God. Sometimes as a pastor, you're called to make choices for the sake of the people that you lead. And it's a quite interesting and regular part of being a pastor. I essentially have to choose what lesson my people go through, what, what lesson my people need to hear. And that's a pretty big responsibility for a pastor. Now, there are pastors in our day who that's quite an easy process to go through because they simply choose Lessons that would make their people happy. That would make them feel encouraged. That would keep them coming back to their church over and over and over. But for pastors like your pastors here, and I hope your pastors, if you don't belong to this church, are like this, they, 
desire the spiritual well-being of their people. So sometimes they have to make a tough decision on choosing a passage that people need to hear but don't necessarily want to hear. Today is such a day. Is anyone freaked out now? Today's passage is one that for some reason the Lord brings to my attention a lot. It's been one of those texts I can't seem to avoid. For the last dozen years, I've looked and studied this passage quite, quite a bit because I can't seem to dodge it. The Lord wants this truth for me, and since I'm your pastor today, he wants this for your soul as well. But if I'm honest, I don't think the typical American can grasp this lesson today. And it's not because it's too complicated, because it's actually very, very simple. I think the typical American can't grasp this today because it's so foreign to us. It's such a foreign concept. It's something we don't really want to grasp. But the best thing we can do today is open our ears and our minds to the truth because this truth today is about as important as a truth as you will ever hear. And I'm serious on that. The truth comes directly out of the mouth of our Lord Jesus. And if you're a Christ follower or desire to be a Christ follower, this truth is for you to know, to believe, and to obey. Here's how we're going to teach this today, okay? We're going to actually gloss over the first verse, verse 23, and we're going to do that on purpose because we're going to save that verse for our application at the end. <clears throat> we're also, Lord willing, going to do part two of this next week, and we'll focus most of our attention on verse 23. So today we're going to begin our lesson at verses 24 and 25, and try to wrap our minds around what Jesus is telling us today. Let's begin by looking at the truth. Now we're going to read verses 23, but I told you we're going to focus most of our attention in verses 24 and 25. And Jesus said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Sometimes in just a couple verses, the scriptures will target a problem that all of humanity struggles with. And here we immediately discover a desire that every single person has upon the world with very few exceptions. And it's the desire to live forever. The desire to live forever. And I want us to be clear today, that is a good desire. The desire to live forever is a good desire. It's a desire that was given to us when we were created. Did you know that we were created to live forever? That's how God created us, to cre created us to live forever. Now, I cannot say that we are eternal beings because that's a logical fallacy. If you're an eternal being, you cannot be created. The only ones who are eternal beings are the Godhead, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone else is a created being. Even angels and heavenly beings were created. So therefore, they cannot be eternal. Jesus in the scripture referred to himself this way, as the great I am. Do you remember when Jesus said that? He said, before Abraham was, I am. Grammatically, that's very strange to hear. But that's what Jesus said. Before Abraham was, I am. It's because there was never a time when Jesus was not. He always was. He always is. And he always will be. He's the great I am. Think about that. To say Jesus was doesn't make any sense. 
He always was, he always is, and he always will be. Jesus is the great I am. But you and I, every one of us here in this room, had a starting point. We came into existence, did we not? And we all have a creator who brought us into existence. But one of the greatest truths of the scripture is that every one of us was created in the image of God. We were created in God's image. We were created to live with the Lord forever. Forever. Starting from the beginning of our existence and ending never in the presence of our God for all eternity. That was the original plan of God, for us to live forever with him. So all people, every single person, feels a desire for eternal life inside of them. They want to live forever. We always want to be alive. Death, therefore, is something we almost can't wrap our heads around. It's such a foreign concept to people who were designed to live forever. People struggle with losing loved ones because how could they die? How could they not be with me? I will see them again. I have to see them again because that's built within me. How can we just die and stop existing? Now, if you think about it, maybe that should make sense for people who once did not even exist. It makes sense that if we didn't exist, that one day we will also not exist again. But for some reason, it doesn't make any sense that we would just die and stop existing. We can't get on board with death. And you know that's good. That's a good thing because the desire to live forever came from our creator. It came from God himself. It's a part of our makeup as his people. And Jesus infers this in his statement when he says this, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life, excuse me, for my sake, will save it. Do you notice that? He's stating the obvious for all people, that we want to save our lives. We want to keep our lives. We want to secure our lives forever. We never want to lose our ability to be alive. Once again, that's a very, very good thing. Now, this isn't stating there's anything sinful or wrong with the desire to live forever, because there's not. That is a desire that came from our God. It's in our DNA. I just want to make that very clear today. So you want to live your life forever. That's good. That's a good thing. That means you came from God. Are we all on the same page today that we want to keep and secure our lives forever and not lose what's most precious to us, our very existence? I hope you're on the same page because I want that as well. And if you want that, and I believe that you do, the answer to keeping our lives and securing them forever comes directly out of the mouth of our Creator. Could anyone know better than Jesus does about how to keep your life forever? The author, the sustainer, and the giver of life. Could anyone know better than Jesus? No one. He says this, For whoever would save his life, or you can translate it, seek to save his life, will lose it. Wait a minute, Jesus. You're telling us that if we want to keep and secure our lives, then we're actually going to lose them? How is that encouraging to hear? We came to you because we were hoping that you would tell us how to keep our lives and never lose them. Did you guys ever go to a doctor hoping to get a diagnosis and then he didn't give it to you? And you're like, wait a minute, doctor. I came to you so you would tell me that this thing that I have is nothing and that it would go away on its own by tomorrow but instead you're telling me I need surgery? Well, guess what, doctor? I'm not coming back to you anymore. I'm going to find a new doctor. I'm going to get a second opinion. 
You see, Jesus is not giving us the answer today that we want to hear, is he? But he is giving us the answer that we need to hear. He goes on to say this. He doesn't end there. That would be depressing. He says, whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Doesn't that seem backwards when you first read it? Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Did you hear what he just told us? He just gave us hope. If you desire to live forever, Jesus just gave you hope. After telling us that all those who desire to keep their lives will end up losing them, he now tells us that there's one way to keep and secure our lives forever. But the solution is a difficult one to hear. And here's the solution. You must forfeit your life now. And this is where most Americans will turn their minds and their ears off and not hear anymore. Because Jesus just told us to give up our lives today, now. Again, Jesus, maybe you didn't hear us. We don't want to lose our lives. That's why we're coming to you. We want to keep our lives forever. And now you're telling us that the only two options are to lose our lives forever or to lose them now? And I'll be honest, I'm like you guys. I don't love those two options. As Americans, we've been trained to not accept those kinds of answers. If we don't like advice or a diagnosis from one person, we'll just go and get a second opinion. And we'll even do this with pastors and churches. If they won't tell me what I want to hear, then I'll find someone who will. I will church hop until I find the most pleasing statements. Sadly, that's very, very common in our culture. There's only one problem with that strategy today. The one giving us this counsel today is our Creator, our God, and our Savior. And there is no other. There's no one else to go to. There's no second opinion. He's our Creator, He's our God, and He's our Savior, and there is no other. Jesus' words to us today is the only truth there is. We can either accept it and we can live, or we can reject it and we can die. And it's really that simple today. So if you believe that and accept that like I do, then come along with us today, okay? And discover how to actually keep your life by following the counsel of your Lord Jesus. Is that something you're ready to do today? Are you ready to come along and listen to the counsel of your Lord? I hope so. I hope that you are. But let's ask this question before we move on today. Why? Why is losing our lives now for Jesus' sake the only way to save them forever? Why? Why must I lose my life in order to save it? <coughs> and the answer to that question is not in our passage. It's not. He doesn't elaborate on why. But thankfully, if we look at the rest of Scripture, we can find it quite easily. And the blunt answer to the question is this. We're all sinners. Every one of us. Myself included. In Romans 3.23, it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And did you know that sin requires that we die? Because God is holy, holy, holy. Sinners will never enter into his courts. Never. Either sinners will find a way to become righteous, or we will die. It's that simple. We will either find a way to become righteous, or we'll die. Because God, according to 2 Corinthians 6.14, has no fellowship with darkness. What partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? And the rhetorical answer is no, they cannot. Zero, none. Now that might sound depressing, 
But thankfully, there's hope for us today to not remain sinners any longer, to find forgiveness and salvation from our sin. That's the hope today. But even if we find forgiveness and salvation, we still must experience a death. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, they brought death to all mankind. Death was not a part of God's original plan for us as people. But sin always equals death. If we sin, we die. That is the curse of sin. So Adam and Eve sinned, and they became mortal. Mortal. And so did we all. As soon as we sin, we become mortal. Now, unfortunately, there are two deaths that we can experience, one physical and temporal, and the other one spiritual and eternal. And even though we all must die, we do not have to experience both deaths. We can be spared the greater death. You and I do not have to die eternally. We do not. That is the point of the Word of God. We do not have to die eternally. God came up with a plan to spare us eternal spiritual death and that plan meant that his son the lord jesus christ was going to drink down our spiritual death himself and according to the great mercy of god we do not have to die eternally or spiritually if we follow jesus notice what it says second corinthians 5 verse 21 for our sake he god the father made him his son jesus to be sin who knew no sin. He never sinned once. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now there, right there, is the secret and the hope. Sinners can become righteous in the eyes of God and avoid the second eternal death. Great. Sounds like we found the perfect system then. We don't have to die and we can keep our lives forever as long as we believe in Jesus. And that's a common belief. But that's not what scripture supports, unfortunately. Every person must die at least one death. Even Jesus, when he became the sinner legally, had to die, didn't he? Jesus did not go, hey, I'm the son of God. I don't care what those people did. I don't die. I'm the son of God. I will never die. No, as soon as Jesus took on the sins of mankind, he had to die. And the reason why is because sin always equals death. There's no way to break that equation because God is holy, holy, holy. If God does not destroy what is sinful, he becomes an accessory to the crime. You guys ever heard that phrase before? An accessory to the crime. You didn't commit the crime, but you were complicit. You were there. You didn't stand in the way of it. And therefore, you're an accessory to the crime. And God will never, ever become an accessory to the crime of sin. He will either destroy what is sinful or he will make the sinful into righteous but he will not wink at sin god will never wink at sin but yes thanks to jesus we don't have to remain sinful any longer i don't have to be a sinner in the eyes of god any longer amen i can find forgiveness and salvation from my sin by avoiding and thereby avoiding excuse me the greater of the two deaths the eternal death i don't have to die forever and neither do you But if that's true, then why do we have to die at all? I mean, didn't Jesus die so that I don't have to die? 
Didn't Jesus die to give me life? If this is true, then why do I have to die at all? And quite simply, because the holiness of God demands it. The curse of sin is death. And if you've sinned, and we all have, that's what Romans stated, then you will die at least once. We will all either die in this life or in the next, because we all chose to sin. Now, thanks be to God, death does not have to be our final chapter. Death does not have to be the period on your life. We baptized a few people several weeks ago, and that's the whole point of baptism, to die and to rise again to new eternal life with God. You and I can rise to new eternal life with God if we follow Jesus Christ. Because Jesus chose to take our sin upon himself. We just sang about it. And he came to offer us eternal life by making us righteous in the eyes of God. I mean, when God looks at us through the lens of Jesus Christ, we are righteous, fully righteous beings. God does not see sinners any longer. He sees righteous, perfectly righteous people. Sinners can become righteous. And if that is true, we can now choose the death we want to die. We can choose to live our best life now. We can soak up the sun. We can live life upon the earth with all the joy and happiness that we can find. And that's a lot, that's an option that a lot of people choose to go with. But the only problem with that choice, and it's a huge problem, is that those people are going to die later, both spiritually and eternally, because whoever will save his life he will lose it. For those souls who choose to live now, death will be their final chapter in a godless hell. But we have a choice to avoid the second death entirely by choosing the first death. This is our choice to die now and temporarily, and I want you to think about that word very carefully, temporarily by giving up our life upon the earth for the sake of God's will or we can live now and die like the rest of mankind for all eternity in hell. And again, I did not come up with this. This came out of the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's hard to believe it, but we have to believe it because Jesus said it. Now the answer seems quite simple. If I'm a mathematician, On one hand, I could die now, and I can rise to new eternal life. Or on the other hand, I could live for a few decades upon the earth, and I could be sent to everlasting destruction in hell. That's an easy one, right? I'll choose option number one. Just based on pure mathematics, I will die now so that I can live forever, correct? I mean, that seems very, very simple. I'll choose the lesser of the deaths. And if you're with me today, you passed. Everyone passed. If you agree with me today that that's the better of the two options, you all pass, class dismissed. No, not quite, because it's not that easy. Many people are going to, unfortunately, not choose option number one. They're going to instead choose to die forever in the lake of fire. Listen to what Jesus says, the prophecy of Jesus, because it is a prophecy and it will come true. He says, what does it profit a man If he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. 
You see, Jesus has to elaborate on this topic because the choice is not that easy for people. People have to be reasoned with before they will choose to die now and live forever. And Jesus seems to be saying that a lot of people, more than you would probably guess, are going to choose option number two. They're going to live now and die forever. Does that shock you? Does that shock you that most people, many people, will go with option number two? They will choose to live now and die for the rest of eternity. Could you be one of those people? Could you be one of those wretched souls that are choosing to live now and die forever? I'm with you, Kevin. Perhaps you think, like the rest of the world, death, the second death will never happen. It will never happen. Lots of people are going to take this gamble. That perhaps the Bible is too ambiguous on the topic of hell to know that it exists for certain. Or maybe, just maybe, God's going to change his mind on the last day and send everyone to heaven anyways. I tried this strategy once with my third grade teacher. My third grade teacher on Friday, I was acting up. Can any of you believe that I would act up in third grade? That's really hard to believe. Um, in third grade, I was acting up. I was talking during a guest speaker or something like that, and my teacher didn't, wasn't going to have it. And so she told me that she was going to send me to the principal's office. But the principal had already left for the day on Friday. So she told me that on Monday morning, I was going to be sent to the principal's office. And I remember even as a young third grader kind of scoffing at my teacher because the weekend was coming. And I thought one of two things would happen. She'd forget. I mean, she was old. You know, she was in her 30s. Um, she would forget. And by Monday morning, she, it would be out of her mind. Or number two, she would just change her mind and she wouldn't send me to the principal's office. She did not change her mind. I was wrong. On Monday morning, she sent me to the principal's office, and I got a scolding from the principal. Did I ever tell you that, by the way? No. Oh, I'm in trouble. All right. Just got grounded. Will the Lord change his mind about sin? Do you think he'll change his mind about sin? Before we close today, I want you to see the contrast in lifestyles of those who choose to die now versus those who choose to die eternally. Let's look at the contrast, okay? See, in group number one, those who desire to die now and live forever, they're given a commandment from our Lord. That's what verse 23 is. It's a commandment to those who say, Lord, I'm ready to follow you no matter what it takes. I will follow you no matter what it takes. And Christ gives him a commandment. And he says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. There it is. If you want to follow Jesus, that's the requirement. That doesn't sound easy, though, does it? Consider those three things. That's what dying today looks like. Denying yourself, denying what you want from this life, picking up your cross and being ready to die for Jesus, if need be, and then following what Jesus wants from your life for the rest of your life. That sounds like a big price to pay. But that's what temporal, earthly death looks like. We give up our lives now for the sake of God's will through Jesus. And let's contrast that with the lifestyle of those who want to live now upon the earth. Because Jesus says this, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? 
Now, yes, Jesus is showing us the consequence of choosing to live now, and the consequence is death forever. But consider the contrast of lifestyles between option number one and option number two. Option number one says, I will deny myself. I will deny my dreams, deny my desires, deny my will. I will pick up my cross, willing to die for Jesus, and I will follow Jesus every commandment with my life. That's option number one. Option number two has no denial at all. They could possibly gain the whole world. We have self-denial in option number one versus denying yourself nothing in option number two. That's a big contrast. That is a big contrast. We just described why most people will stay in option number two. They don't have to deny anything. Now, we thought this decision was going to be an easy one based on discovering that the first death is temporary and the second death is eternal. I mean, Kevin, we jumped right on that ship saying, I want the shorter death. I want the temporary death. But now we find out that those in group number one are going to die now and basically get nothing what they want from this life. Nothing. And those in group number two will choose to live now and attain anything they want, everything they want out of this life. And it seems based on that, the choice just got harder. Those in group number two might have the better option. Both groups are going to die, but group number two gets to live any way they want in this life with no limits and no rules attached. And group number one has to live the way Jesus decides to live. Maybe dying later and living now is the better option. And believe me, Jesus knows this is a difficult choice. He doesn't want anyone disillusioned. He's not looking to trick anyone into following him. He is laying it all on the table. All his cards are revealed today so that our options are very crystal clear. Group number one will choose to believe in Jesus and they will die now upon the earth. They will die to their happiness, die to their prosperity so they can live entirely for Jesus' will. That's what group number one will do. Group number two will roll the dice. And they'll live for their happiness and their prosperity upon the earth. And they'll hope and they'll bank that the second death will never happen. It will never come to them. And if it does, at least they had fun upon the earth. Even if there is a hell, at least I had 60, 70 years of fun and prosperity. And then maybe they're right. Maybe the second death will never happen. But I want you to remember who is speaking to us today. It's not Peter. It's not even Paul. It's not John or James. It's not King Solomon. It's not Moses. It's not Abraham. And it's not even King David. The one speaking to us today is the Lord Jesus Christ. The creator and our God. We need to pay very close attention to his words so we all make the proper decisions for our life. Because this is God speaking to us today. And you can tell very clearly, I'm not changing the words here at all. And he knows what he's talking about. And he's doing this in love. Okay, so listen to it again. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world or loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of his Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Notice the language. Does it sound from Jesus' words that those in group two might avoid the second death? He uses the phrase, loses or forfeits himself. The parallel passage in Matthew says, loses or forfeits his soul. 
when Luke says loses or forfeits himself instead of his soul, he's telling us that our soul is our entire selves. If we lose our soul, we lose our entire selves because our soul is us entirely. If we die the second death, we lose every part of us. We lose everything, our entire soul. And then Jesus says that if we're ashamed of him and his words, now by disregarding his words and living for ourselves instead, then something's going to happen on the last day. When the Lord Jesus comes in his full glory and the Father as well, they're going to be ashamed of us. And they're going to dis disown us before the judgment seat of Christ. Does it sound like those in group number two are going to avoid the second death? Not at all. This is real. This is real. This is a real prophecy that's actually going to take place. The Lord will say what he says similar in Matthew 7 to these people. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Does this sound real today? It's real. It's a real prophecy. It's a real warning. And then Jesus says this phrase. But I tell you, truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. At first, that might sound like a positive thing. If you glance over that and read that too quickly, it sounds like a positive thing. Like, see, there are some who will not taste death until they enter heaven. So there must be a group of people that will not die in this life and the next. They'll live and then they'll live. They will avoid death altogether. But unfortunately, that's not what Jesus means here because the context is the condemnation of souls in group number two. Jesus is saying they will not taste death in this life. They won't know what death is. They'll live for their happiness and their prosperity upon the earth and they will not know what self-sacrifice for Jesus looks like. They will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God revealed. When the kingdom of God is first seen and revealed, then those in group number two will taste death. And their death will be the second death of eternal, permanent, spiritual death in the lake of fire. We come to the dilemma, because there is a dilemma. Jesus is warning us today to make the proper decision. There are two deaths, and everyone must experience one of them. Everyone must die once, now and temporarily, or later and forever. We could choose to die to our dreams, our wishes, our happiness, although the Christian life, I will tell you from firsthand experience, has the most joy. I have more joy following Jesus now than I ever had without Jesus. More joy. But earthly happiness and earthly prosperity, I have to die to. And that's option number one. Or we can live now. We can chase our dreams. We can chase our happiness. We can chase our wishes. We can live for our will. And then we can stand before God at Judgment Day in our sins with no Savior and nothing to look forward to except the lake of fire. And that's a dilemma, isn't it? The choice is before us today to die now and live later or to live now and die later. So here's the options, very, very simply and clearly. Which death will we choose? Will we choose to live now and roll the dice that there is no lake of fire? 
There is no second death. Or will we listen to the only one who truly knows the Lord Jesus and take his counsel as gold and make absolutely sure that we are found in him when the final trumpet sounds? Now, I know this lesson today sounds like it's about death. When I look at those words of Jesus Christ, it sounds like it's about death. But ironically, Jesus is telling us how to truly live. See, those in the world right now who are tangibly holding on to their dreams, they got their wishes, they got their dreams, they got their happiness, and they're content. And they're foolishly believing that they're the ones that are truly living. I mean, they're holding it right now. They're holding their happiness and their wishes and their dreams right now. They're currently grasping it. It's very tangible. But in reality, they're neglecting the words of Jesus. And they're setting themselves up for eternal destruction. According to to God. Not an opinion. This is God's word. And then there are the wise ones. They believe what Jesus said and who he is and that his words are truth. Whatever comes out of his mouth is true. So they're so invested into his words that they claim that what has been spoken here today is truth and it's the only way to live. And those are the options. To believe Jesus or to disregard Jesus. But there's also a deception. Before we make our choice today, since we have a crafty enemy who is a master deceiver, I want you to understand today that the devil has created a third group. There's a third group created by the devil, a group of people that we need to be very careful we don't slip into. This third group of people who claim that they want to follow Jesus, they want to live, and they want to die now, they want to avoid the second spiritual death in the lake of fire. They're claiming today that they're choosing to die now and follow Jesus with their lives. And their claim to follow Jesus should clearly place them in group number one. Because that's what they claim to want. But you see, group number three is a farce. Because they never actually follow Jesus. They only assert that they should. But life gets busy America is rich and comfortable and has a lot to offer. Their friends are worldly, most of them living in group number two, and they don't have the mental and spiritual fortitude to combat all of that. So although they claim to be in group number one, they gradually and subtly drift into group number two. They believe they're Christians, but they're practically in group number two. Those in group number three expect that on the last day, Jesus is simply going to ask them, what group do you want to be in for the rest of eternity? And they'll say, group number one, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm a Christian. Instead of Jesus actually inspecting their lives to see which group they were actually in. Did you die for Jesus or not? So they sit here amongst us in confidence because they claim that they made a decision to be in group number one. They come to church. They claim they love Jesus, but they never actually die the first death. They never abandon their dreams. They never abandon their wishes. They never abandon their happiness for the sake of Jesus and his commandments. And they believe they found a loophole. They don't have to die in this life or the next. And for all intents and purposes, they're practically and clearly ashamed of the words of Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here today going, I don't want that. That sounds icky. I don't want what Jesus is saying today. Many Many will think that. 
And group number three, their lifestyle proves who they, are, who they are. And on the last day when Jesus clearly sees that they never died, never died to him, never died for him, excuse me, they're perfectly set up to be in group number two and experience the spiritual eternal death in the lake of fire. Because group number three doesn't exist. There is no group number three. It's a farce. It's a fraud. It's been set up by the devil. But there are people today in three groups. There are three groups of people sitting amongst us today, and I believe that. I believe there's probably all three groups represented here today. Group number two says this. Forget dying. I don't want to die. I want to live now. I'm choosing to live now. And by choosing to live now, they reject the words of Jesus. And therefore, they choose to die forever in the lake of fire. Group number two is in grave, grave danger. They're disregarding the words of Jesus. They're acting as if Jesus is not the Son of God. Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. Jesus' words are archaic, and they will never actually take place. They don't believe, and they reject Jesus. That's group number two. Group number three, we talked about them, the fake group. They're saying today, I choose Jesus, and I choose to die now. I am a Christian. But they never actually die. It's all talk. They don't follow Jesus like he demands. They only follow him on their own terms. They set up this own, their own version of Christianity and they follow that. And on the last day, they're going to be shocked to realize that they're in group number two along with the lawless. Therefore, group number three is in grave danger today because they're disregarding the words of Jesus. Then there's group number one. And they say this, I desire to die now and follow Jesus, and I will make the commitment and the discipline to follow him with my entire life. Therefore, this group of people is going to do exactly what Jesus commands them to do. And that's what we're going to look at next week, okay? This three-part statement in verse 23. They're going to deny themselves. They're going to deny what they want, their wishes, their dreams, and their happiness. They're going to pick up their cross daily, and prepared to follow Jesus even unto death. And they're going to follow Jesus and his commandments because his words are their law. Now, there's not many people in group number one, but there are some who will say yes to Jesus. He's right, he's true, and I'm going to line up behind him. They're going to die now, and they're going to live forever. And although groups number two and three are the ones who appear to be truly living today, that's what it looks like on perception, Group number two and three are the ones who are partying right now and having fun right now and soaking up the sun right now and living their best life now. It's just smoke and mirrors because it won't last. And their names are not currently written in the Lamb's book of life. Unless they repent and turn to Jesus before it's too late, they're going to die and they'll never live again. And I believe there's some in each group here today. Group two who says, I don't want to die today at all. Group three who says, I will die. I promise to follow Jesus. And then, then they don't. And then group number one who actually disciplines himself to do it. So here's our choice before we close. Group number two, and I don't know the hearts here today, so I'm speaking very generally here today. Group number two, I want you to reconsider how you're living. Is your life real living? Is it going to matter how much fun you had, how many memories you made, how much money you made when you stand before God at Judgment Day? I mean, everyone around us knows that death is coming, right? We all know it. 
no matter how rich and how affluent and how comfortable you get in this life, death is coming for you. And the older I get, the more I realize my body is breaking down. I think the older you get, the more you should realize that. Death is coming. Is it going to matter how much fun you have when you stand before God at Judgment Day without a Savior? Group number two, turn to Jesus today, and you will finally begin to truly live. Because Jesus is the only life giver there is. There is only one life possible, and it's in Jesus. Everything else is a deception. Everything else is smoke and mirrors. Everything else, you'll lose your grip on it, and one day you'll be left with nothing. And that's group number two. Group number three, are you faking it today? And I was in this group for a long, long time. A long time. Trying to fool everyone around you, including yourself, that you're a Jesus follower when you're actually not. You have not denied yourself, you have not taken up your cross, and you're not truly following Jesus. And on the last day, the mask is going to be removed. And it will be revealed to all who knew you, and most importantly to God, that you're a part of group number two and not a part of group number one. Group number three, you need a savior. Turn to Jesus today for real and begin to truly live. Jesus is the only life giver. And group number one, and I know there's some here who are in group number one, those who are choosing to die now. Your life is hard. Jesus knows that. It's painful. Jesus knows that. It's lonely feeling. Jesus knows that. You are now experiencing your only death. This is it. Your pain will one day leave you. Your loneliness will one day leave you. The difficulty of this life will one day leave you, and you will stand with God on Judgment Day in Christ. And the gates of heaven will be swung open, flung open for you, and you will enter into life forever. The Lord will return one day, and he will gather himself, he will gather you to himself, bring you into the kingdom of God with him forever. And it's a guarantee by the Lord and Savior. It's a guarantee by God himself. And if that is the case, you've already begun to truly live because your end is eternal life. And I want to say to group number one today, keep going. Keep going. Keep dying in this life and following Jesus until the end because eternal life is real. Eternal life is real, and so is eternal death. All of us, myself included, I want us to consider how we're living today. I want you to look at Jesus, okay? I want you to consider what he said. I want you to consider how he lived. And I want, to I want you to consider why did Jesus die? Why did he die? I mean, God must be serious about sin if his own son had to die, right? He must be serious about sin if Jesus says, I will take on their sins. And then God said, well, then you'll have to be destroyed. Now, Jesus did something amazing three days after. He rose again, proving to all of us death is not the final chapter. I will die, but I will rise again to new life. And if that is you today, if that's what you desire, then do whatever you have to to be found in Jesus on the last day so that death will not be your final chapter. And we will, like Jesus, like he rose again, we too will rise again to new life forever. So, we come to a close here. Will you truly live? Or will you truly die? 
You see, without the great love of Jesus, none of us have a chance at life at all. I want you to understand that. The one speaking to us today is the one who hung himself on a cross and bled and shed his blood so that you could have life. We were all supposed to be doomed because of our sinfulness. We were supposed to experience two deaths. But our Lord Jesus stepped off his throne in heaven. He gave up his life. He gave up his will in heaven. And he died on a cross so that you and I could have eternal life. Never to die again. Why would the God that we sinned against do such a thing? He was the one we offended. And he's the very one that shed his blood on the cross so that we could spend an eternity with him in his glorious kingdom. Why would he do that? And isn't the only answer is that he loves us more than anyone ever could or anyone ever would. And he's the one speaking to us today. This sounds hard. I know this. But these words are coming out of the very one who died for you. And he's telling you, I don't want you to die. I want you to live forever. I came so that you would have life and have it abundantly and have it eternal. I'm telling you this today in love. You will have eternal life, but only if you die now. And I want you to take this message today as a gift of love from your creator, from your savior. And I want you to make the decision to line up behind Jesus and say, wherever he goes, I'm going. Whatever he says, I'm doing. He is the creator. He is my God. He is my savior. And his words are truth. Life is being offered to every single person in this room. If you're in group number two, you can find life today. If you're in group number three and you're faking it, you can find life today. And if, I, if you understand today how important this is and you want to give your life to Jesus, I want you to come talk to me. I want you to come talk to Pastor Mel. Make a meeting with us. We don't want anyone confused. We don't want anyone perplexed. But you can even go above our heads. You can go directly to the Lord in prayer and you can tell him today, I want to truly live. Amen. Jesus, I want to truly live. I want to read a verse before we close. Paul speaking in Romans 12. If anyone knew what it was like to die on this life, it was Paul. In Romans 12, he said, I appeal to you, basically, basically saying, I plead with you all today. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If you desire to follow Jesus today, just say to him, Jesus, my life is yours. It's yours. Take it and use it for your glory. Will you truly live today by following Jesus? Would you bow in prayer with me? Father, I understand the weight of what's being said today. I understand this is heavy, and I feel it, Father, but I know this is necessary because we're being inundated and filled our minds all day long, every day, with messages that don't come from Christ, don't come from your word. And we're being told that this life now is the best life there is that we should love it and follow it and make memories and soak it up, live for our happiness and our dreams and our wishes. And everyone around us seems to be saying the same thing. Live now 
and take the gamble that there is no second death. And then we come to the words of Jesus. And we hear what he says today, that those who want to save their life are going to lose it. And those who lose their life for his sake are going to find it and save it. And all I can ask today, Lord, is that you would reach down to the souls, plant this deep within them, myself included, and reveal to us that this is truth and that you're saying this today so that we would live forever with you because you love us. And that whatever this life has to offer has nothing compared to what you can offer us in heaven by your side for the rest of eternity. Father, I pray for the souls. I pray for everyone who's hearing today that they would see Jesus in a new light and say, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.